It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to another emergency podcast episode of Buckeye Talk. Been doing a lot of these lately. Usually it's because somebody's coming in. This time it's because someone is going out. It is Chris Holtman. Ohio State makes a midseason change. With the men's basketball program, Chris Holtman fired after a a career that started here in 2017 and started with uh, some real promise, but just the last couple of years has lost really all traction and the the final straw, I don't know if it was the final straw, but the final game was uh, another road loss at Wisconsin on Tuesday night that makes 16 consecutive road losses tying the program record, if you want to use that term. and. Not an unanticipated event that they are moving away from Chris Holtman, Stephen, but maybe the timing of it was the most uncertain thing. Would they do it now? Would they wait until the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's interesting because we're living in the world of the transfer portal now, and obviously the the window for college basketball players opens up on March 18th. This news is coming out on Valentine's Day, which is that's a that's a. It's a tough way to celebrate Valentine's Day, if we're being real here. But if the window opens on March 18th, and just like in football, when a coach departs, regardless of how they depart, whether it's moving on for a new job, retirement, getting fired, whatever it is, there's a 30-day window that opens up in this conversation. So what this ultimately does from a player standpoint is it maximizes that window, right? Because you already get the 18th that opened up that window. But now that this has happened now, essentially you're getting the next 30 days here to make a decision here. But also – Ross Bjork, the new incoming Ohio State athletic director, he is he had told us when he had his introductory press conference a couple of weeks ago, he'll be up here on March 1st. Obviously, he'll start officially being the athletic director on July 1st when Gene Smith retires the day before that. But he'll be up here starting March 1st. So what you're doing now is you're maximizing the amount of time that he and Gene Smith, who I'm sure will work in collaboration and trying to find the next guy who will take over this job from Chris Holtman. We're going to get into some of those details later. First, I wanted to just sort of talk about how we got here, which is, you know, Chris Mm -hmm. Holtman is hired to replace Thad Mata. And Thad Mata, obviously a respected guy in this game at the time that Gene Smith made that call, but he felt the program was slipping in some important ways. Thad Mata had some health issues at the time that may have been contributing to that. And he makes the move. And in his first year, 
with kind of a, 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 a breakthrough season from Keita Bates job. And I remember covering, uh, I was covering Big Ten basketball at the time. And I remember how good that first Ohio State team was that Chris Holtman had. They go 15-3 and three in the Big Ten, tied for second place, but they were pushing Purdue and Michigan State for the championship right to the end of the, the regular season anyway. And still, that team only gets to the second round, only gets to the round of 32. It doesn't make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And that first thing, that great breakthrough, was never really replicated again. And that second thing became kind of a hallmark of things under Holtman. And I guess just from your perspective, after observing this now for several years, more closely than I did, where do you feel like the breaking point really was that got us not just to, because it's one thing that this, when this team was only making the round of 32, but for Mm -hmm. these past two seasons now, 30 and 30, nine and 25 in the big 10, can't win a game on the road. They're next to last in the Big Ten right now in the standings. Why did it fall off a cliff so significantly? It, it, when you look back on the last seven years, it does feel like just a gradual fall. It didn't happen uh, automatically. It was over time. I think you're right. That 17 and 18 season, there's almost two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as, oh, that was the best of Chris Holtman, or you can look at it as the, how that season ended was a sign of what was to come. And I do think there's a couple of moments where that plays out. In 2020, he after that season, obviously, we're in a global pandemic, so the NCAA tournament wasn't played, but he felt he had a Sweet 16 team. I guess we'll never know. But the track record says you probably didn't because there's no other year where you've proven to have a Sweet 16 team. I think if you had to look at checkpoints, though, and why we got here, I think one of them would be how the 2021 season ended, where obviously they go on that run at the end of the year in the Big Ten tournament and get to the championship game and lose to Illinois. And then obviously they get the number two seed in the NCAA tournament. And you looked at that bracket and you went, I don't know, this team's kind of hot. Maybe they can make a push for maybe an Elite Eight, maybe a Final Four, just because of how their path is. No, they end up blowing it at the end of that game and losing to Oral Roberts, a 15 seed in the first round of that NCAA tournament. Now, things didn't completely fall off a cliff after that because they get back to the tournament the next year. But more of those issues started to show up. The early season success, typically beating a top 10 team in the country in your non-conference schedule, and then getting to January and seeing it all fall apart, pulling it back together in February, and maybe giving fans a little bit of hope before having it all get thrown down the drain again in March. Because just like you said, lost in the second round of the tournament in 2022 as well. And then that offseason was supposed to be a reset. It was supposed to be, okay, look, you got back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes coming in. I know it's been rough and it's felt like you've hit a ceiling and you can't get any higher than that, but look at the talent that's coming in here. That's why you should still be excited about the Chris Holtman future. Well, in the 2022-2023 season, it didn't plan out that way. And said they end the season under 500. They don't even make the NCAA tournament. And now you're repeating that in year two with both of those classes on campus. And being the foundation of your team, things haven't gotten any better. In fact, there was a point this year where you'd lost like eight out of nine games. And as you mentioned, they haven't won a road game in a year and a half, literally. It's been since January of last year since they've won a road game. So this thing that was, we always say this in in college sports, recruiting is your lifeblood and recruiting is the thing that can keep you afloat maybe longer than you should. This 2022 and 2023 recruiting classes were supposed to be that. Well, now they're here and they're not living up to the hype. And so at some point, you've got to pull the plug on something. 
it's just what, what what is frustrating, I think, for fans is that this wasn't a case. I mean, they'd be frustrated either way with with the way the losing has gone. But this mm-hmm. wasn't a case where like, oh, we kept like coming up second on a bunch of like really important recruiting battles, or there was some really you know this guy was supposed to carry us and then he gets hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like that that hasn't really been the thing these past two years. And certainly this team has dealt with its, its share of injuries and things like that. Every team does, but to to be st- like you just said, like the back to back top ten classes preceding what are going to be potentially back to back, like next to last or bottom of the bottom quartile Big Ten finishes. I think that is the most frustrating thing that the, the talent seemed to be here. And it went from a conversation of, well, is that is is like, you know, 21 wins and a, and a second round exit as far as Chris Holtman can take Ohio State to, man, remember those good old days of 21 wins and a second round exit? Like that's th- this is not supposed to happen at Ohio State without extenuating circumstances when you're finishing with this kind of record in back to back years. And I don't see those extenuating circumstances. I wrote this out on the site not long after the news broke that Ohio State was going to be moving on from it. And the first like seven words of my post are the Ohio State basketball under the Chris, the Chris Holtman era of Ohio State basketball is a failure. And it is that. And and that's harsh to say, but it's true. No, you're not dealing with the same standard that you're dealing with the football team where it's win the Big Ten, beat your rival and win the national championship. But even when we talk about this in a football standpoint, we're talking about Ohio State losing to the best the country has to offer, which is why if you've been on that island with Ryan Day, you have to jump off of it. We're talking about what the college, what the basketball team, be a 21 team, compete at the top of the Big Ten. We're not asking you to win the Big Ten all the time. We get it. Purdue's good. Illinois is good. Uh, Michigan State with Tom Izzo is good. There's other good teams. It's a competitive conference. But you should be in the top six. You should be competing to get a – Two two round bye in the Big Ten tournament. Every so often you win the Big Ten tournament. Every so often you win a Big Ten championship game, and you get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And every so often everything comes together, and maybe you make a Final Four run. Maybe you make an Elite Eight eight run. But that's not happening right now. You're you've gone from to your point. You've hit this ceiling. You're almost average. You're an average Big Ten team. So you're afloat. To now you're sinking. And so this could have easily – there's a world where this could have gone the other way where they were afloat for a couple of years and then you bring in these classes and now they've vaulted themselves up into one of the four best teams in the Big Ten and they're a top 15 team nationally. But instead it's gone the other way and now it's not fixable. Now you can't you can't fix this. So you have to move on from this. You have to cut it off before it gets any worse. They haven't been an average Big Ten team the last two years. I think that's the point. Like, you know, there were a couple of years mm-hmm. where he – where Ohio State went 12-8 and eight in the Big Ten and, and really in a vacuum that's not – a problem. This is a good league. You go 12 and eight. All right. Maybe a couple other games could have gone either way. And you're, you're sitting around fourth, fifth place. You just can't have that be the high watermark. And that's what it was after that initial season, which wasn't really mostly his team. So kind of, like you said, it was, it was a weird, um, just these conversations we were having a couple years ago about, Maybe this isn't enough having them on this podcast and then for it to. So that was a grad. It was a gradual drop to get to there. What's happened here these last two years was a little bit more catastrophic. So we guess before we take a break, just what is what does this team do from here this season? Like you said, the, the transfer portal is open. 
guys can go into the portal now for the next month. They would be, uh, if they chose to do that, uh, among the most sought after guys in the country because they'll be the only ones on the market at that point. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, guys, they can't go play for teams that are playing in the tournament or whatever. Um, but it does give them a little bit of a, a head start on finding where they want to play next if they're not going to stick around. Yeah, I, I think long term, this team's going to look a lot different next year. I think this year, I am interested. I went to the game on Saturday when they beat Maryland, and that, that ended a seven-game losing streak. And I just, I wanted to get a vibe. That's why I was there. I, I wanted to get a vibe around the team, and because obviously this was something that we all were expecting to happen at some point in the next month and a half here that Chris Holtman would no longer be the head coach and the players didn't seem checked out. And I think you do check for that of our players still invested in this, at least even if it's only going to be invested for another 30 days. And it does seem like the way, especially Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, because they talked after the game, the way they talked after the game, some of the emotion they had winning that game, maybe they stick around through the rest of the season. I don't expect most of these guys to stick around. Like I said, but the dude, I think the logical thing right now, is Jake Diebler, who's the associate head coach, probably steps into an interim role. He's done that in the past when Chris Holtman's had to miss games because of health reasons or anything else. And maybe that, that's the logical thing is that Jake Diebler finishes out this season. Maybe some of the guys who are normal parts of the rotation stick around. Maybe you see a couple guys spr- sprinkle out because everybody has to make their own decision here. But I am expecting just, Jake Diebler leads this program for the rest of the season. And then, listen, I mean, this is – College basketball has already been a place like this where you see mass exodus from rosters every single year. So you probably have to expect that here, especially this deep into a tenure with a head coach where all of these guys signed up to play for Chris Holtman. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about what this means beyond this season for Ohio State going forward here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So, Stephen, it was just a couple of years ago that, as we said before, Ohio State's experience was a little bit, you know, up and down, and they hadn't really had a breakthrough yet. And Gene Smith extended Chris Holtman's contract and gave him a raise. And that leads us to the point where we are now, where not only is Ohio State going through the, you know, sort of abruptness and the the, the forced change that comes along with, with a coaching change, but there's also going to be a financial component to this and Ohio state, I guess can afford it, but um, how much is the buyout and what do you think this says? How much of a part of, of Gene Smith's legacy in his final months does the way that basketball went under his tenure? Uh, how much is that going to be a part of that legacy? Obviously great, great successes under Thad Mata, but ultimately deciding to move away from Mata in favor of Holtman and then leading to where we are today. 
You know, it's funny. <laughs> Ross Bjork just got away from a situation where <laughs> a coach got a extension where you're not really sure why they got that extension. And now he has to come into another situation with that. Chris Holtman signed that extension back in 2022. It was supposed to run through the 2027-2028 season. So he's still got four years left on that deal. The buyout is $14 million. So it's not that crazy. And when you think about it from the year's perspective, it's, it's clearly something that Ohio State can afford to do. But it's not the decision you wanted to make, right? You don't want to have to fire somebody two years after you just gave them an extension that may, you probably shouldn't have given them that long of an extension to begin with, but you do what you do in that moment. Now, I, I think this is just open. I think Ohio State, whether it's, and I'm just throwing out names right here, but trying to convince Jay Wright to come out of retirement or going and pulling UCLA's head coach or anything else, I think this should be as about as wide open as a search as just to bring football into it as Ryan Day had when he was trying to find his offensive coordinator. I think that's what you need to go with this point because you have to find someone who's going to get Ohio State basketball back to the standard. Like I said, it doesn't have to be national championship or bust but it has to be better than what it's been really going past the last two years, the last four or five years under the Chris Holtman era. So I think this is going to be an open search. I think, as I said before, they've given themselves ample time here to find guys. The recruiting classes don't necessarily have a bunch of guys that you're worried about losing right now. The 2025 class has got some people. Uh, the most, the biggest one of them all is Juni Mobley, who is an Ohio native. So let's see if he sticks around in that class. But because you're not trying to hold on to – that many commits because it's not like they started building their 25 and 2026 20, classes that deep yet, but also you giving yourself ample time here. Plus, as I said, $14 million buyout, isn't that crazy in today's college basketball landscape. So it's just wide open search at this point. I think the next month is going to be very interesting to see where Gene Smith and Ross Bjork decide to go with this decision because it's, it's, it's a wide open search, but it's not like the window is why for when you need to make this decision. By the end of April, you probably need to know where you're going. Should Gene Smith have done this a year ago? The, uh, we've already talked about this Ooh. This program had sort of hit a plateau. And and listen, it was the 2019-20 season. They're 21-10. and 10, But that's the season where he thought like they were, they were coming along and that that was the year that they might have been able to make something of a run, at least get out of that first weekend. As you said, we'll never know. And then the following year, they're also 21 and 10, but that's the year that they are a two seed um, going mm-hmm. into the NCAA tournament. And then the, the loss to Oral Roberts and the Heights just never matched kind of the, the potential around those Heights. And, and then then you have like the, the real drop off last year and to only go whatever it was, 16 and 19 last year. So is he a year late on this, do you think? And how would things be differently if was there a chance to save this season if you had made this a year ago? Probably not. That's a good question. I think. If you would have made this decision two years ago after they lost to Villanova in the second round of the NCAA tournament, I think that was the window because while I think there was also a case to why he should have just made it last year, I get why he didn't. If you thought, as I said, like last year was supposed to be a reset. You're relying on a lot of freshmen. You're relying on a lot of young guys, and you're thinking about the upside of things of, hey, if you're sacrificing the 2022-2023 season in terms of wins and losses – but that means there's going to be a big jump in 2023 and 2024 and just overall quality of the team. 
fine. You can live with that. I get why you decided not to do that. In hindsight, obviously, it looks crazy because all you did was put yourself in a position to have two bad seasons instead of just one. But I think the better window, the more I think about it, would have been after that 2022 season where it's like, I mean, how much more proof do you need that this is the this is the ceiling? This is the ceiling. It's going to be a second round ceiling going forward. But when you have recruiting classes like that, sometimes it can give just like national championships can sometimes give you a longer lease than you're supposed to have. I think recruiting classes can do the same thing there. And when Gene Smith believes in Chris Holtman's ability to develop guys, you're starting to get one and done talents like Bryce Sensenball and Malachi Branham that can give you a longer lease. And I think that probably gave him, gave him two more years in this thing when he probably should have been axed back after the 2022 season. So Gene Smith is the one who made this call to fire Chris Holtman at this point. I mean, maybe it was in consultation with other people, but it, it goes down as, as Gene Smith's firing. He hired him, he extended mm-hmm. him, and now he fires him. But obviously Ross Bjork gets up here on March 1st. Yep. I believe his duties at Texas A&M are complete. He's in sort mm-hmm. of a transitional period right now. Yep. So... Gene Smith will obviously be a, a someone he consults with, I assume, on this search, but the, the future search goes in the, the Ross Bjork category. He's the one who has to make this next decision. I mean, if, even if Gene Smith weren't still going to be the AD, like it's, it's almost a perfect time for the AD transition to be happening because after firing two guys, Gene Smith probably can't be the guy to hire the next guy. So what does Ross Bjork need to look for in a head coach that Chris Holtman couldn't deliver? Man, that's a really good question. I think Chris Holtman, I think, did a good job developing guys. But this is the business of wins and losses, and I don't think – this is me speaking right now. I don't think he always did a great job in those moments in games that mattered. And so we're talking February. We're talking March games. And so you need to find that guy. I think Chris Holtman could recruit. He could do a lot of different things, but he couldn't go win a football basketball game when you needed to go win a basketball game. And I think that's what they need right now. College basketball is in a much different place than it was 25 years ago. We, I, I, I keep saying the t- two top 10 recruiting classes, and that matters, but it matters a lot less than it does in football having highly rated recruiting classes, which is how much roster turnover there is on a yearly basis, how quickly t- – Teams are trying to get old. You hear coaches say that a lot. We're trying to get old fast. So you're not like gone. We had this era of one and done freshmen being the best players on college basketball teams. That's kind of starting to go away a little bit as highly rated guys out of high school have other options, whether it's going overseas or playing in the G League or whatnot. So just that era is over with. So I think what's more important is finding somebody who can get the job done in the games that matter. And that's March and that's February. And you can look around college basketball. Ohio State basketball is a pretty quality job. It's not a tier A job, but if we did a tier, we just, we just did a tiers Bob for football. If we did one with basketball, I think I would put Ohio State basketball in like tier three, maybe low tier two, depending on this, the year. I, I think that's a fair place to put it. And so you should be able to go get that guy who, when it's March, When you're in the Big Ten tournament, when you're in the NCAA tournament, when you're playing one of the better teams in the Big Ten in the middle of January, you think that guy can go win you the game. It is interesting to think about, like, what tier, realistically, Ohio State should be slotted into. And I agree with you. I would not put them in tier one, although there was a time, 
under Thad Mata where the success had yeah. been consistent enough that you would have considered it. Uh, it wasn't quite at the same level as like you know, Michigan State's in the Final Four every year and Duke and Kansas, North Carolina, just like trade off national championships in Kentucky. Like it wasn't they weren't quite a blue blood and they weren't quite doing what um, just a, a, a handful of teams. So maybe maybe upper tier, too. But now, yeah, I mean, tier three is maybe about the best you could call it, except maybe you push it in there to tier two because it's. The opportunity is clearly here, and I know this is the first ball football first school. Ross Bjork made that clear when he showed up for his introductory press conference. Football is king. Football is football leads the way. But between the history and the resources that Ohio State has, the NIL machine now that they've put together, and yet and that's been mostly beneficial to football, but it wouldn't take much for it to be very beneficial for basketball either. You would think. Like there is a the the infrastructure seems to be here for somebody to have real success to at some point in a seven year span have that that real breakthrough and, and Chris Holman got them to the cusp of that breakthrough but as you kind of said just could could never quite seize it and do you think knowing what you know about Ohio State and what they what is possible um, setting aside the arena the arena is one of the worst in the Big Ten but setting that aside. Um, at least, I, at least I always thought it was when I had to come here and cover games. Uh, setting that aside, do they need to go after? I mean, can they go after an upper echelon kind of head coach? Like, can you go in and say the same way they might in football? And now the Ryan Day thing was a little bit of a departure because they just happened to have someone in house that they thought they should take a shot on, and that isn't the case for basketball. But uh, go after someone even a tier above what Chris Holtman was coming off of you know, three good years at Butler, including a sweet 16. Like, do you go and try to poach away a big time sitting head coach to come in? Because now you're not, you need someone to come in and actually fix something. The Mm -hmm. person who's coming in has to be a a big time guy with some gravity or however you want to say it, who can come in and actually fix what's wrong now after two years of being one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. I think any coach that is not currently at a blue blood, so you're talking Duke, you're talking Kentucky, and you're talking Kansas, right? Any coach that is not at a North Carolina historically, you know, North Carolina. And the only reason I say that because they've got younger head coaches because they just replaced all all time greats, obviously. But unless it's a Hall of Famer or somebody at that caliber of school, I think they should make their coach tail make them say no to them. So, and I'll include UCLA on that list because UCLA is a blue blood historically, but they haven't necessarily been the UCLA of even the 2000s really over the last couple of years. So they've been a quality team, but they're, I think they're a couple of years removed from when they were getting to the final fours here earlier on in a couple, like three or four years ago. But everybody else, I think with these top tier coaches in college basketball, if you put a list of the top 25 and you remove the Kansases and North Carolinas and Kentuckys and the Hall of Fame level guys like Izzo, Everybody else, I believe Ohio State should go talk to them and get them to tell you no, because you're right. You're, you're, you have to fix something. So you can't go do what you did with Thad Mata even or Chris Holtman, where you went and got somebody from a mid-major program because you saw something in them, expecting it to turn into something greater. It worked with Thad Mata. It didn't work with Chris Holtman. You need to go find an established person who from day one is the type of guy who can go on that transfer portal or go into a recruit 
Crouton house and pull that guy in because you need to fix it and you need to fix it fast here because college basketball, college football is a crazy world. College basketball is sometimes even a crazier world because you're dealing with less people. So, yes, I, I think just make a board of the top 25 coaches in college football and then go make every single one of those guys tell you no. I think that's that's where I would start this conversation. You've strongly hinted at Mick Cronin a couple times, longtime Cincinnati okay. coach. Uh, UCLA <laughs> took UCLA to a Final Four and a couple Sweet 16s. <laughs> So I assume you think he should be on the on among those considered. Uh, anybody else that you think is should be one of their first calls? Uh, I, yeah, I, like I said, I think Jay Wright should be a, a call because maybe there's an itch he's willing to scratch, and I think he's always talked highly of the Ohio State basketball program and Chris Holtman especially as well. I think those are the places I would start with. But yeah, I have kind of hinted at Mick Cronin without saying his name there, but that just seems like a, a perfect marriage. In my opinion. So I, I would start the list with those two guys. You should get the text 614-350-3315 because I'll probably share more thoughts about this throughout the day as this continues to develop throughout the day. But, yeah, I, I think Mick Cronin is probably at the top of that list just because he probably, ironically enough, another UCLA guy. I'm trying to bring the Ohio State. But, yeah, I think those two are probably where you start because that's a Hall of Fame coach who's not doing anything, who might just have an itch he wants to scratch. Sound familiar? The football team kind of did that with Urban Meyer. And another guy who is kind of proven that he can do this thing at a high level at programs of his caliber. I'm looking back at something that Greg Doyle of the Indy Star wrote. So when Chris Holtman left Butler, um, mm-hmm. he was recounting this conversation that he was having with Holtman um, in the previous year. So after 2016, um, Butler, I think, had been to the tournament uh, its second year. I think they may, I don't remember how far they went. Made it well. They only went to Sweet Sixteen once, and that was in his last year. But he told Chris Holtman, "Oh, other teams are going to come after you." And Holtman said, "But I don't want to leave." And they kind of talked about some other jobs that come up. But he said at the time, "But there are some jobs you have to take." And the one mm-hmm. he mentioned by name, or one that he did mention by name at that time, was Ohio State. That like that would be the kind of job that if it came open, you couldn't say no to. And I think that there are other coaches who are going to look at this and see the same thing. They're going to see Columbus. They're going to yep. see the Big Ten. They're going to see the financial mechanism that's here. They're going to see the potential support from NIL and the administration and everything else that's here. And yes, you have to take a backseat to football. But frankly, that can buy you some time sometimes. And they bought Chris Holtman some time, and it just it, it, it went too south at the end. So I'm very curious, like, who they're going to be able to bring in. And and the fact that it, Ross Bjork now has a whole different set of connections and a whole different perspective on this is mm-hmm. going to make it even more interesting. You've got really two ADs probably working on this in concert, trying to make the right call for Ohio State on who's going to replace Chris Holtman. That is Buckeye Talk for this emergency rare basketball pod. Not a rare emergency pod. Plenty of those in the last month. Rare Mm -hmm. basketball pod. I'm Nathan Baird. He was Stephen Means. We'll talk to you later.